Once upon a time, Cable's TV travel channel featured shows about, you know, travel. Pretty self-explanatory, right? These days, the destination on almost all of this outlet shows are a lot freakier than a nice beach in Cancun. <laughs> if you're interested in traveling to find Bigfoot or ghosts, this cable channel's got you covered. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you're one of the seven people out there who still has cable TV, you might have noticed there's a lot of content being broadcast that feels a bit like The X-Files meets The Blair Witch Project. In fact, that is pretty much all you'll find on the Travel Channel, which features shows like Expedition Bigfoot, which for my own personal reasons actually sounds a little bit appealing to me, and we'll talk about that, (laughs) Destination Fear, Conjuring Kesha, and UFO Witness. Yeah, for real, Kesha, the pop singer, has a show about paranormal (laughs) ghosty things. That's where we're at in our culture. Wow. Toss scripted TV into the mix, and the list of paranormal and occult-focused shows grows even longer. Whether we're talking about the recently wrapped and long-running show Supernatural, or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, or the not-very-subtly-titled Lucifer or Evil, just to name a few. So today, Jonathan McKee, Emily Clark, Paul Acey, and I are going to do a bit of investigating of our own as we talk about these shows appeal, the inherent spiritual problems with many of them, and what parents need to know to help kids navigate spookily spiritual programming. In our second segment, we'll lighten things up a bit as Emily and I talk about the new kids movie, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And Emily, I I can just hope that there's not too much occult content (laughs) in Clifford the Big Red Dog. I can give you a spoiler alert right now. There isn't any... (sighs) Good, good. It's wonderful. And of course, we know that you're looking forward with bated breath, whatever that is, to another installment of Culture Countdown. Well, today we're going to be talking about the proliferation of paranormal TV programming. But honestly, it's not exactly a brand new genre or niche. Shows about unsolved mysteries, monsters, UFOs have been around almost since the beginning of TV. So when you were young, what shows or maybe commercials do you remember that were kind of in this vein and how did they affect you, if at all? Okay. uh, Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Say more. Yeah. I mean, like, I just remember um, I wasn't allowed to watch the TV show, but ironically, I was allowed to read the books. And even then, they, they kind of freaked me out. So Jonathan, Paul thoughts on uh, I'm going to let Paul go first because I can't wait to hear his answer. <laughs> You're going to love this, Jonathan. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. <laughs> How great. come every show that you list from your childhood sounds made up? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's because the shows from my childhood were crazy. They were yeah. crazy. So Sigmund and the Sea Monsters is about this sea monster named Sigmund who is scorned by his family because he refuses to scare people. So basically every single episode is Sigmund hanging around with these two human boys trying to escape his his terrible family, including his brothers Blurp and Slurp. <laughs> trying to just, they're just sort of hanging out. So Sigmund, Blurp, and Slurp. Yeah, really, sometimes when you look back at the era that I was raised, 
a lot of it just feels like a fever dream. And this right? definitely <laughs> is yeah. right along the line. Accurate. Yeah. Did he steal yours, yeah. Jonathan? No, no. I mean, I mean, I, I wish that he Sigmund, did. I mean, that, that almost reminds me of like HR Puffin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> something. I mean, yeah. we're talking. Same group, some, actually. It was oh. Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah. Same people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It, and it's funny because I, I think the reason I was honestly so curious what you're going to say, and I'm really curious what Adam's going to say, but I, I know he always has to close it off, uh, is because in our age group, there wasn't a lot of paranormal no. stuff back then Not there, like there really there wasn't i mean the, the scary stuff was kind of like a monster or a shark God or a monster you, shark Spielberg. um you know yeah exactly um <laughs> but but it was uh, i mean so for me paranormal i mean i read think i had to think really hard the only thing i can possibly think of is we watched Bewitched. I mean, you know, um. the Adams Family, Bewitched, you know, and Bewitched, I mean, honestly, I watched because, okay, I had a crush on Elizabeth <laughs> Montgomery. I mean, <laughs> come on, I was 12 years old. She come was on. cute, and I don't understand that dude that she was hanging out with. So I thought, Darren. maybe I have a chance. As a 12 year old, I have a chance. I'm going to ask her out. And date. <laughs> All right. That's another podcast for another time. Childhood yeah. crushes that, uh, ultimately didn't work out for any of us. Yeah, um, yeah. So for mine, I, I have talked before about Bigfoot, the mysterious monster commercials pretty much wrecking me for life. And yet here's the thing. And, and I think that we'll talk about this as we get into our discussion. There's sort of um, a repulsion attraction thing with this whole genre. There's part of it that scares you. And yet part of it that maybe draws you in. And in the seventies, uh, in early 80s, I would watch three shows that were in this neck of the woods. Where were your parents? Oh, golly. That is also another <laughs> podcast for another time. Um, I watched Leonard Nimoy's show In Search Of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, no. totally. No. Uh, it was, My parents wouldn't let me watch it. Right. You had better parents, perhaps, in that area than, than I did. <laughs> and it was sort of an unsolved mystery. So, I mean, you might get Amelia Earhart one week, the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, it's your standard issue you know, stuff that we don't really know what happened. Uh, I watched the 70s show Project Blue Book, which was based on the Air Force UFO file, and that's recently been remade into a much newer show. And the big outlier, I never missed Ripley's Believe It or Not with Jack Palance. And I remember watching it with my little TV in my bedroom. Parents, don't let your kids have TVs in their bedroom. So, yeah, answering <laughs> the question of where my parents were, they were not in my bedroom with my very small TV. And he totally creeped me out, but I was kind of fascinated with it. And I think that's a good segue into our conversation. Obviously, shows dealing with these paranormal themes maybe have been around longer than it feels like. But these days, it seems like they're everywhere. As I said in the introduction, it's the whole travel channel now. I'm like, doesn't anybody just go to like San Diego anymore? You know, <laughs> that feels like a travel channel show, not chasing ghosts. But we've got ghost hunting. We've got Bigfoot stalking. We've got UFO chasing. Uh, we've got, you know, all manner of unsolved mystery stuff with, you know, hints of what's really going on here. And they're drawing big audiences. And we've also got all these scripted shows with spiritual or occult themes. So, to start us off, what would you say are some of the most influential and important shows in this genre, either currently airing or in the past? 
Well, the big granddaddy was probably X-Files, right? Well, okay. the big grand-granddaddy would have been the Twilight Zone. Okay, right? yeah. But sort of, I, I wouldn't trace our fascination now to paranormal TV to the X-Files. I remember okay. I remember that was a huge deal. Even though it never got great ratings, it was very, very influential. Everybody's heard of it. You know, I can't think of a single human being that I've spoken to that doesn't know hasn't at least heard of the X-Files, even if they don't necessarily know exactly what it is or if they've never seen it, they know what it is. And, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is when we talk about these influential shows like the X-Files, like Supernatural even, um, in some ways they're still quite niche, which makes these Supernatural shows very fitting for the niche age that we live in. Okay. I think it's kind of an interesting thing. It's we're, we're talking about these niche audiences that gravitate toward that, but it becomes very, very influential in those particular sectors. Yep. You know, you mentioned Supernatural, Paul. Say a little bit about Supernatural. And Emily, I know you have helped mm-hmm. us review that as well. What do we need to know about Supernatural? Because it, it recently wrapped up, what, like... 13 seasons or something like that? Uh, It was 15 seasons, and I wouldn't even necessarily say it's recent anymore. They finished right around the end of 2020, so it's been almost a year since they've finished. And, you know, Supernatural is one of those shows. um, You've got angels and demons, I'd say, are the main thing, but you've also got ghosts, you have monsters, you know, werewolves, vampires, everything that goes bump in the night. It covers all of it. And it covers it from a, not from a Christian perspective at all. Um, There are Christian elements to it because, you know, they exercise demons, they quote the Bible, things like that. Um, At one point they encounter God, you know, and when I say God, I mean capital G Mm-hmm. In the uh, show's sense of what capital G God is, you know, but uh, but it's not Christian. Like if you watch the show, there's nothing you're not going to sit there and be like, wow, that was an interesting take on Christianity. No, no. It's an interesting take on supernatural things, but it's not Christian. It's very much a, a broader worldview perspective. Well, what do you think the appeal is of these shows? Because it's not just one. I mean... There's an entire raft of shows that run the gamut on these spiritual slash cryptozoology for the Bigfoot hunters slash UFO, you know, the truth is out there kind of shows. What's the draw here? Well, you know, you were talking about how Kesha has her own show. You know, Demi Lovato has a show as well about UFOs and everything. I think the draw is just that people, especially Christians and non-Christians alike, want to know they want to know that there's something more out there. They want proof that there's something more. And um, in a weird way, I think that people are just fascinated with what they don't know and what they can't prove. Hmm. I, I like that, Emily, because I, I really do think that there's kind of a, a inner angst, an inner search for, is there something more to all this? And and sadly, for some people, that means, you know, I'm looking and they end up looking in the wrong places because they look to this device that's so convenient, this screen that is in their bedroom um, for the answers instead of to a place of truth. And I think uh, it is kind of interesting as we those of us have been around for a few decades, uh, you know, think back. It is funny because, I mean, when I was a kid growing up and, you know, we had four channels on TV 
there wasn't a lot of supernatural stuff out there. There was some kind of scary stuff. I mean, for us, this, you know, the Hardy Boys were these two <laughs> detectives that were, you know, out searching. And every once in a while, they would, you know, get scared in the kind of way that, you know, campfire stories of little scary stories and, whoa, you know, surprises. And, oh, there was a creepy dude over there. But it is definitely turned a lot more supernatural, a lot more angels and demons. And I think, let me look at the positive. The positive side of it is there is this question out there of, is there something else out there? And if, and if kids are searching going, wow, is there evil? I think it also can bring up the question of, is there good? And I think it's a good opportunity for us to point to truth instead of just leaving them on their own to figure it out on the screens and be inundated with lies. Jonathan, you mentioned Hardy Boys, and it triggered actually just sort of a thought. When we were growing up, I do think you had, when you had these supernaturally tinged shows, they tended to debunk right. the supernatural, right? right? Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. I was actually thinking about putting Scooby-Doo, but every single time they, they unmasked the ghost, it was just a dude. And, <laughs> and so time. you have this element back when we were, when we were kids, this was something that you debunked, you disproved. And that's the now, modernism thing. Now, all of a sudden, you have all these issues that open up these huge doors. And like, and like Jonathan says, I think that, that that expresses in our increasingly secular society this desire for transcendence, this desire for mystery, yep. the desire for something beyond what we can see and hear and touch. But when you look at some of these programs, they are not taken from the Bible whatsoever. They take elements from the Bible, they cherry-pick names, they cherry-pick themes, uh, but for the most part, they're talking about something really magical, very non-theological. Uh, you see that all over the place, and, and you have in a lot of these supernaturally tinged shows uh, weird elements of both, which can be hard to sift through. I think about CBS's Evil, um, which has it, it has a very deep grounding within sort of this supernatural good versus evil spiritual battle. But some of what we see there can be really problematic and very difficult for parents to wade through. Well, and also, I, sorry, Emily, to pick on Supernatural, but I mean, we're talking, it's on the CW. And the CW, <laughs> every show has these perfect models that are like, hi, I'm the lead star of this show. <laughs> Check out my bazillion ab muscles, you know? But my point being this, we now very often are raising a generation that is seeing perfection on the screen so often and seeing, seeing the way drama should be. And this is how you should react in a situation with pure emotion and no logic whatsoever. And that is kind of, if that becomes the plumb line for us today, we're all in big trouble. So please don't look for truth on the CW. For the CW, I absolutely agree with you. You know, you have Supernatural, you have Riverdale, you have Nancy <sighs> Drew, you have, you know, the Vampire Diaries and all Legacies. Of them supernaturally all of these are supernatural-themed TV shows and with pretty people, you know? But then you also have shows that are on, like, Sci-Fi Channel, and, you know, there's a show called Surreal Estate, you know, that's about this guy who, I, I'm pretty sure what he does is he gets rid of ghosts and houses and then he sells the houses <laughs> after he gets rid of the ghost, you know? There's, so there's... he's a haunted house flipper? Yeah, exactly. He's a haunted <laughs> house awesome. flipper. That's a new one. Um, but, you know, there, 
it's not just the CW. There are other shows out there with, you know, better writing, better dialogue and everything. And I and there's reality shows, of course. And I think that these shows, um, just going back to my original point, I think that they really encourage people, you know, find, to find your own version of the truth. Whatever you believe, that's what you believe and it's okay. And that's what they're trying to encourage. And that's just not true, unfortunately. So I think the most important thing that parents need to take away from this is if your kids are interested in these types of supernatural shows, you really just have to make sure that they understand, hey, this isn't open for interpretation. They want you to think that, but there's only one truth, and that truth is Jesus, and that's where you need to, you know, kind of ground your kids, make sure they really understand what they believe so that they don't sit there and get confused by all these different worldviews being presented in these supernatural shows. Yeah, I love that, and I think that that's a, a good place to bring this conversation in for a landing, and I want to tie that together with something Paul said a minute ago, just you know, we do have that longing for transcendence that is really hardwired yes. into us. And we live in a world where we can get answers to almost any question in 10 seconds, you know, with a search on our phone. But I think you can't sort of find those answers to those transcendent questions quickly by a Google search, right? We're still we're hardwired to want to experience that. And so as our kids begin to express an interest in that, um, I think a lot of these shows, just because of not only the spiritual issues, but especially when we're talking about the CW stuff, there's other content stuff that gets woven in there. Many of them may be sort of a, yeah, we're not going to go there. But I also think if you have a teen that's exploring some of these things, it may be maybe some of these things you could watch together and then have that conversation about how do we know what's true? How do we think about this? And, and really beginning to help them apply those critical thinking skills and those biblical discernment skills uh, in an area where the culture's all over the map and it's going to keep sending stories like this our way. And so our job as parents is to know how and when to protect our kids and to limit things and to avoid things but also to create a space where we can have dialogue about it. Because I think if our kids only ever see us as the old man on the yard, like Jonathan was talking about earlier, um, they will tend to dismiss us. But if we can create an environment where we're having dialogue about things, that shows them it's okay to think deeply about this, but we need to be thinking about it, not just consuming it mindlessly. So I hope that our conversation on this subject today has been one that has given you some things to think about, both about why these shows are so popular and, and how we might begin to respond from a Christian point of view uh, with our own kids if they express interest in these things. Well, Emily, now it is time for a little bit of a palate cleanser after our conversation about things going bump on the TV screen. You have had a chance to see Clifford the Big Red Dog, which of course is a beloved children's property uh, and it's now coming to the big screen so what do parents need to know about Clifford the Big Red Dog? Okay so 
earlier I said that there were no occult references. I stand by that, but there is a little bit of magic. Okay. Okay. Um, the reason... Because there is a large dog. It, well, the right? reason, and yes, and the reason he becomes so large, it's not scientific, it's magical in nature. So I won't give away any spoilers. Um, it's not evil magic or like anything. The devil is but... not clearly involved as far as no. we can tell. <laughs> as far as I can tell, no. Um, honestly... I was really pleasantly surprised with this story. I thought it was a cute movie um, for kids and parents alike. It wasn't so cheesy that, you know, you were just cringing your way through it. I mean, it is a kid's movie, though, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But there's no harsh language. There's no... Um, there's really no negative. Clifford doesn't swear. Nobody swears. Nobody's honestly, the biggest content concern besides the fact that, you know, the reason he's so big is magical is just that, um, it does deal with a couple of different, you have the bad guy who's trying to kidnap Clifford so he can study him because he works for this, uh, company that is trying to grow bigger and more food in order to stop world hunger. So it, you have a kind of weird villain as in so Tony even Hale. The, even the bad guy has this sort of weird sort of altruism about his thing. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, like, he is not a good guy. He's mean. He's very mean. But that's the thing. You don't really deal with, like, true evil in my mind. I think you just deal with some really uh, flawed people who can be very mean at times and, you know, who try to kidnap dogs from little girls. <laughs> Okay, well, that's not good. But what about the lessons or positive or redemptive themes that you, you that learn we've a seen lot here? of different lessons here? Um, one of the big lessons that stands out is just the fact that you know Emily Elizabeth is she's so lonely when and she that's meets the little girl. Yes, that is Clifford's owner, both from the books and in the movie. Okay. And you know uh, she's a very lonely little girl. She's going to a uh, a nice fancy school on a scholarship so you know her cla- one of her classmates has cruelly nicknamed her food stamp oh. um cuz she has been raised by a single parent and they don't have a lot of money and you know her mom actually is not present for most of the movie her mom goes on a business trip and leaves Emily in the hands of her uncle um who's kind of a doofus you know he <laughs> He did very much like... I love that word. He's let down his sister a lot in caring for Emily in two... You know, they mention that he's actually lost her twice when he's babysat her before. So, you know, he's kind of a screw-up. And um, Emily herself doesn't trust him. Emily is just like... At the beginning of the film, she has a lot of derision for her uncle. And she could be quite rude. But as the film goes on, he kind of proves himself that he can be a mature adult and... you know, take care of his niece and her dog. And she begins to trust him. She begins to bond with him. She begins to respect him as the film Mm. goes on. And so does his, um, her mom, his sister. Uh, She also comes to realize that, you know, she can trust her brother. But, you know, with Emily, like I said, she's a very lonely little girl. And, you know, she just wants to be liked. She wants to be loved. Her mom encourages her all the time. She's like, you know, you're brave. You're wonderful. You're so unique. You're going to rule the world someday. I'm sorry life is really hard right now. You know, Emily's just trying to figure out how to how to deal with that. And Clifford, you know, he's the one who 
without it, Clifford doesn't talk, but through just being a dog, he kind of shows her <laughs> that, you know, she is okay. She is loved. She is unique. She is special. Um, like they kind of show that to each other. And, you know, people tend to not like things that are different, but that's okay sometimes because you just kind of have to power through. You might be a little bit different, but that doesn't mean you're not loved. It doesn't mean you're not special. It doesn't mean you can't be successful and accomplish things. All right. Well, it sounds like it's a movie that has a lot of positive messages. And was, oh, yeah. was it mildly entertaining? Yes, it was. They had It had its moments as an adult I'm watching where I just kind of laughed out loud because I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> well, it sounds like it could be an option that would be a lot of fun for families with younger children. And it's nice, I have to say, at Plugged In occasionally to have something that doesn't have, you know, facepalm moments it's like ah, oh, it was great except for this thing which means you shouldn't see it so if you want to learn more about clifford the big red dog you can check out emily's full review at pluggedin.com well now it's time for that part of the show we like to call culture, culture countdown. countdown and i'm joined once again by paul jonathan and emily you guys know the drill. I'm going to sit out this week, so just... just You're sitting out. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's just going to be you three this week. Oh, my goodness. So, that feels that feels cheatery. Well, I'll get back in next week. Mm. So um, you have 30 seconds to give us a story about something that has to do with popular culture technology that impacts families and uh, is something that you think they need to know about. So... Jonathan, would you like to lead us off this week? Sure, why not? You have 30 seconds. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. In three, two, one, go. Okay, I'm looking at an article here from Marketing Dive all about Burger King, which made me first think, Burger who? Because when I was a kid, there was either Burger King or McDonald's. But where have these guys been? But they're trying hard. And how they're trying hard is they're now teamed up with this investment platform, Robinhood, to offer members of its Royal Perks Loyalty Program a chance to win cryptocurrency. And I found that interesting because cryptocurrency is kind of like this big buzzword right now, especially with young investors. All right. To learn more about Burger King and cryptocurrency, <laughs> make sure you check out the link in our episode notes today uh, to find out uh, exactly what that creepy Burger King guy is doing with digital currency. Yeah. Fun He's fact. Pretty creepy. Adam pays us he, in Bitcoin. I, I don't. I don't. I don't pay you at all. Focus on the family pays mm. you. Wow. Well. Um, I pay you in laughters for your jokes. So. <laughs> Paul, you ready? Oh, goodness. I suppose so. All right. I'm going to give you 30 seconds as well. How about 45? No. Hmm. You ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. So there's been a lot of talk about Metaverse lately. The Facebook just changed its name to Meta. Uh, we even talked about it on this very podcast. Now there is a gospel artist perfectly designed for the world of Meta. And I'm talking about literally designed. JC is actually a fabrication. JC. JC. Yes. Tyler Huckabee from Re Relevant says, JC is the first, uh, it is, as far as we know, the first gospel song written by an algorithm, recorded by an algorithm, and performed uh, by an algorithm. Hey. Okay, you just hey. cheated. Cheated, cheated, so cheated. So much. Cheated, cheated, 33 cheated. seconds. I want three more seconds. <laughs> 
No, you don't get three more seconds. And Paul, you're on double secret probation oh, for man. next week. He should only get 27 seconds next week. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually like be that. really funny. It's only fair. <laughs> Emily, are you ready? I really hope so. <laughs> I, I guess we'll find out. Here we go in three, two, one, go. So IATSE, which is the labor union that regulates rights for film crews, is hopefully going into its final negotiations for its workers' rights. Um, And as viewers, we really should hope that they get it all together and that the producers and the movie studios agree with them. Otherwise, they they are firm on their stance that they will strike. And if film crews strike, we're not going to see movies or TV shows or anything for a while. Wow. Guys, did you see how she did that? Goodness gracious. She stuck to landing. She didn't have to borrow three seconds from next week. (laughs) I think that was I'm impressed. That was perfect. Have I ever been cut off by the timer? I don't know. (laughs) That was a long time ago, the last time we did this. It was like a week ago. I I don't remember. I can't remember that far. I can't remember (laughs) that far back. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this week's installment of Culture Countdown, and you can find links to all of these stories in the notes for today's episode. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us here at The Plugged In Show today. What did you think about our conversation? Do you remember shows with spooky stuff when you were a kid? Were you terrified by those shows? Were you strangely attracted to them? Were you strangely attracted even though those shows gave you nightmares? Because, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit both and. We would love to hear your story of how you interacted with that stuff when you were a kid or maybe questions you have about shows today. And you can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And as our thanks for being a part of the Plugged In Show family today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the plugged in blog entry for our conversation this week. Or if you prefer, you can give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We always appreciate having a chance to have you at the table as we talk about the stuff of pop culture and technology and how it affects your family. And we hope that you'll join us again next week for another episode of the Plugged In Show.